0: Hey, it's Ryan. Our colleague Siobhan Hughes, who you've heard from many times on our show as a reporter, is hosting today's episode.
1: Here she is. In 2014, U.S. News and World Report's Brian Kelly was a guest on CBS this morning. He was there to reveal the 30th edition of the publication's college rankings, and the announcement was treated like a news event. Listen, a lot of people are ranking the colleges and universities, but after 30 years, I'm thinking you all are the gold standard. You think that too? Well, thank you. I'm <laughs> going to agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Every year, U.S. News & World Report ranks colleges and universities across the country. But I think we, we like to say we are the gold standard. It starts with U.S. News, and everybody says, OK, here's how we're not like U.S. News. OK, okay. And, and number, number one are, again. Yeah, number, number one,
0: one again
1: is? is? Number one is Princeton. OK. Uh, the usual sense
0: I don't think the impact that U.S. news rankings have had on schools can be understated. That's
1: our colleague, Melissa Korn.
0: Schools make spending decisions, they make admissions decisions, they make so many of their decisions based on what it might mean for the rankings. They are written into strategic plans of universities. There have been instances where a president's compensation is tied in part to rankings improvement.
1: But Melissa says she's heard complaints about the rankings for years. I've talked to college presidents and grad
0: school deans, and for so long they have said, gosh, we hate the rankings. Yet that was all behind closed doors.
1: Now, some schools are revolting and publicly pulling out of the rankings.
0: You know, higher ed isn't known for being the most innovative, the most risk- taking kind of industry in a lot of ways, and there's a bit of a pack mentality. And to see that kind of a group protest build momentum over the past few months has been really fascinating. And it wasn't really until November that those whispers turned into shouts, kind of really building into this crescendo of complaints and concerns.
1: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Siobhan Hughes. It's Tuesday, March 28th. Coming up on the show, why universities are abandoning the U.S. news rankings and what that could mean for students. U.S. News and World Report started ranking colleges and universities in 1983. Initially, the undergrad rankings were just based on surveys of presidents,
0: you know, what schools do you think are the best? Soon after that, they started adding more information, and then they became annual reports.
1: Before such rankings came into play, what did students turn to when making decisions on where to apply?
0: You know, uh, applying to college in the early 80s and before then, and frankly, you know, before the late 90s, was very, very different than it is now. You had to apply to each school individually, so you generally applied to fewer schools. You know, and even still, most people go to a college that's near them and most people go to schools that admit most applicants for the undergraduate level. So this kind of battle about rankings is in many ways focused on those most selective schools. So that frenzy just continued to build since the rankings, perhaps partly because of the rankings, and it fed on itself till we're at this point where it seems like this blood sport to get into schools. You know, US News and World Report rankings are just kind of a cultural phenomenon. Like, they are part of the American college-going system for a lot of people. They are the way people choose law schools or med schools or business schools. And there had never been anything quite like that with that strong a hold before.
1: How did U.S. News become the leader in putting out these rankings?
0: You know, they were the first. They marketed them well. It was pretty quickly seen as kind of this definitive, objective, scientific measure of a school's quality, value, worth. People want something simple to help them through this process, right? They want some independent third party to say, this is the right choice. And U.S. News did that from very early on.
1: U.S. News and World Report's chief executive said the company provides valuable consumer journalism to help people navigate major life decisions. And today, U.S. News puts out a lot of different lists. It ranks liberal arts colleges, universities, and Ph.D. programs. It also ranks by the type of program, with separate lists for law schools, business schools, or medical schools. What kind of data goes into the U.S. News rankings? So they look at admissions
0: tests. In the past, they've looked at expenditures per student, how much money is the school spending on its students. They look at graduate employment rates. They look at admission rates in some of the programs at the undergraduate level. They look at course sizes, you know, how big are your classes, and they give the most credit to schools with courses that are under 20 students. So a lot of schools will cap their seminars at 19, knowing that that difference between 19 and 20 students matters in the ranking.
1: I hear you describing a system where the incentives are distorted. Do colleges then try to work the system to raise their ratings? Yes, without
0: a question. There are companies that schools can hire to help them figure out which levers are kind of the best to pull so that they can improve their rankings right okay if we change this one thing if we get our retention rate up this to this number from first to second year or if our reputation survey average score goes from a 3 to a 4 here's how much that matters here's what that could do so let's put a bunch of resources into that
1: some schools even put their rank on their marketing materials they can pay to put those little badges you know the little shield that says
0: best college, best graduate program on their websites, on billboards, wherever they want to put it.
1: So any college
0: can pay for a badge? If they are ranked at a certain level. So only the top are eligible to license the badge. Business schools in particular really like the badges. It's a great marketing tool, right? Hey, this third party said that we're one of the best. Believe us.
1: A representative of U.S. News said education rankings and related products, quote, represent significantly less than half of our revenue, end quote. U.S. News and World Report rankings were such a success that many other publications have followed its lead and created their own, including here at The Wall Street Journal. Schools lean on these rankings so much that in some instances they have been caught providing inaccurate data to the publication, One such high-profile case was at Columbia University, where a professor flagged questions about his school's data. And at Temple University, a former dean was convicted of fraud for submitting false information to U.S. news. Columbia University has dropped to number 18 on the latest Best Colleges list from U.S. News and World Report. It comes after the Ivy League school admitted that it had submitted inaccurate data in earlier years. Temple University is looking for a new dean for its business school after Mushi Parat resigned today over a school ranking scandal. The university... Was- With so much riding on these rankings, Melissa says that colleges and universities have long raised concerns about the power that U.S. news holds. For one, the publication doesn't fully reveal how it exactly calculates rankings. There have been complaints and concerns
0: since the start about the methodology, about some of the calculations You know, we we know what goes into them, but we don't know exactly what the math looks like. So it's hard to reverse engineer these and fully understand why
1: Princeton is one, MIT
0: is two, State U is whatever it may be.
1: But few colleges have spoken out publicly against the rankings, partly because they fear losing prestige. In 1995, Reed College in Oregon did stop sharing the data with U.S. News because it felt the ranking system was unreliable. Reed's rank the next year dropped precipitously
0: after they stopped cooperating, and it was kind of seen as this punishment. Their ranking has since risen again, but that had this chilling effect on other schools that had problems with it.
1: Why did the Reed College withdrawal not lead to a larger rebellion at that time? The rankings
0: matter so much to prospective students, to potential employers even. They only recruit at, you know, schools with these ranks. That nobody wanted to be first. Nobody thought that just a couple of schools from the middle of the pack pulling out would really change
1: anything. But then last year, something shifted. That's after the break. Last year, Yale, the number one-ranked law school, decided to revolt against the U.S. News rankings. So in November of 2022, Yale Law
0: School's dean, Heather Gerken, she sent a note to the Yale law community saying she has a lot of qualms with the rankings. She said, the law school just isn't going to cooperate anymore. We're not going to fill out those surveys they send. She was particularly concerned about how the rankings Counted graduates who had public interest jobs that were funded by the law school, that
1: those were somehow seen as lesser employment. The dean was also concerned with how much the law school admissions test, the LSATs, mattered in the rankings. Here she is on PBS. LSATs and GPS are obviously important uh, in evaluating a candidate, but they're not the full measure of a person, and again, particularly for a low-income student who can't afford to spend
0: thousands of dollars on courses and prep. And, and so- it had clearly been just this damn breaking because later that same day, Harvard Law pulled out. And within a week, a handful of other top-ranked schools pulled out. And within three months, 40-plus law schools had pulled out.
1: Pulling out from the rankings doesn't mean that they won't be on the lists anymore. It just means that they'll stop sharing private information with US News and won't participate in their surveys.
0: So when the number one ranked school says, we don't want anything to do with this anymore, it's not because they're bitter about where they landed on the list, right? It's kind of just a more fundamental opposition to the existence of the list. And that kind of gave cover or freedom for of other programs lower down the list to pull out as well.
1: This boycott soon started to spread. Some medical schools also stopped cooperating with the rankings.
0: Harvard Medical School was the first, and within a week there were four or five other top medical schools that said they weren't going to participate anymore. Some said, you know, it really doesn't say anything about the quality of our instruction. They look at student-faculty ratio, but they don't talk about... What clinical opportunities, what the rotations are for the medical students, and that's how you measure a med school.
1: But as of now, most undergraduate programs are still participating. None of the top 10 universities or liberal arts colleges have said they'll pull out of those rankings. I think
0: there's significantly more resistance still at the undergraduate level than there has been among law schools in particular. The stakes seem to be quite a bit higher at the undergraduate level. University leaders and you know, program deans will tell me they're having conversations with their trustees, they're kind of weighing their options, but what would really make them more willing to drop out at the undergraduate level is if their number ones did as well.
1: Although two schools, Colorado College and the Rhode Island School of Design, both withdrew from the undergraduate rankings last month. So What has U.S. News said in response to some universities not participating in its program? So one
0: of the main uh, comments that U.S. News has had, their CEO, I've had many conversations with him, he wrote an op-ed in the journal, is that these schools are trying to shy away from accountability, that they don't want transparency. They don't want to be uh, scrutinized and the rankings allow the public to scrutinize them. So this is their way of just kind of closing ranks and shutting the doors and, you know, pulling down the curtains and being secretive.
1: U.S. News says it's providing a journalistic service and will continue to rank universities with or without their participation. But the company is also making changes to its law school ranking formula.
0: And over the past many years that these rankings have existed, They continue to tweak the methodology. At the undergraduate level, SAT scores used to count for a whole lot more than they do now. So there is more attention paid now to retention, graduation, student debt, which, you know, the argument for a while has been, that's what you need to be looking at when you're looking at the value and quality of an institution.
1: Some schools are now facing a dilemma. Participate in a ranking system they believe is flawed or reject the rankings and risk their own reputations.
0: I had somebody describe this moment as a bit of a a moment of moral reflection, a crisis point for the morality of higher education, which perhaps is a bit kind of extreme thought. But I think that presidents and deans really have to think through whether they want to be contributing to the system that they have said behind closed doors for decades that they hate. And if they don't contribute to it, how else are they going to convey in a reliable, meaningful, digestible way what their value is?
1: Where does all of this leave prospective students? You know, choosing a school is really hard. It can be
0: nerve-wracking. It can be stressful, especially for undergrads. You don't necessarily know at 17 who you want to be, what you want to study. So having certain schools pull out of the rankings, I think one of the challenges is whether students really understand what that might mean for the validity of the rankings going forward, right? Are they reliable now? Or can you still look at that and get a sense of who the good schools are or not? Because prospective students, parents, employers are not going to sit there and read a 10,000-word essay on why their school is the best that ultimately looks a lot like the 10,000-word essay some other president wrote. They still need to show that they are worth the investment. So if not through this ordinal rank, how else can they do it?
1: Could rankings become a less important part of how you select your school going forward? Potentially,
0: yes. I'm under no illusion, and the presidents I talk to are under no illusion that rankings will disappear. But again, it's about... Which rankings you look at, what their different methodology is. Ultimately, it is you know emotional and expensive to choose what school you're going to go to, but it's not quite so simple as saying this is the best school, this is the second best school. It gets at some of the fuzzy stuff about how you quantify or qualify the value of a degree, right? Is it just about salary? Is it about what impact graduates make on the world? How do you measure that sort of thing? You know, what counts as a good school, there's a lot of nuance there.
1: That's all for today, Tuesday, March 28th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.